So, what are we drinking? We're not drinking anything because it's the morning. Okay. But I'm going to read some millennial wine marketing material. Cali Red. This red is all about chill, whether it's in the air or by the fire. Big and cozy like your favorite flannel shirt, yet bold enough to stand with a steak or to your uncle's crazy Thanksgiving political pronouncements, with a little spicy fruit nipping at your nose to boot. Move over, pumpkin spice. Wow. All I want to say is I don't want pumpkin spice in my wine. <laughs> I really appreciate the mention of the crazy uncle. Hi, everybody. This is the subtweet. I am Manu. I'm Shane. We're back after a hiatus by popular demand, after more people than we thought told us they actually listened to our first episode. So we're very grateful. Um, and today we're going to start um, this episode with a discussion of marketing for millennials. And um, the big news this week is that uh, Amazon has finally taken over Whole Foods and they're turning that into a millennial heaven, it seems. What do you think of that, Shane? I, I'm so torn because I really hate anything that is clearly marketed towards millennials, even though I am a millennial and I obviously consume a ton of that stuff. I just hate when it's incredibly obvious. And, I mean, the Amazon Echoes being positioned in front of Whole Foods and the dropping of the prices, it seems clearly trying to get, a, like, a younger, hipper Whole Foods shopper in the door. So, and it's making me angry, and I'm just going to go to Trader Joe's. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Um, the, the fact that they're lowering prices is actually a good thing. Uh, I mean... A lot of the products at the Whole Foods are pretty good. They're just very expensive. Uh, so I don't. Is it? Is it? I'm gonna believe it when I see it, right? Like they've said that fair, they're fair point. They're lowering prices on certain items, and whether or not that like actually lowers your bill at mm. the end of the day, I I'm waiting. Oh, it's the last leader thing, right? <laughs> I also yeah, that's think true. That, like, like, they, it creeps me out that you get discounts for being a Prime member, which means Whole Foods basic or Amazon basically ends up knowing everything you buy. Well, like if like my wife, you have a Prime uh, Visa card, then you know they will know anyways, correct? Yeah, I mean, I mean when you actually think about it, Amazon pretty much already knows everything. Yes. Uh, and like I used Amazon Fresh for a while, their grocery delivery service. So why I think that they mm. don't know what kind of groceries I buy, I don't know. But it's just the mm. the overt the overtness of this move creeps me out a little bit. There's also the the issue of the I mean the drop in price was pretty stark. So it, maybe it says something to for you know to to current customers who go there a little bit also because it's pricey and you know it signals uh status and it's like you people have been rolled we could have sold you this for like half the price all along 
Um, but some people go there so, because it's more expensive, too. Like, there are people who, one, don't want to deal with the riffraff at the regular grocery store, you know. Uh, yeah. And they, like, like there's a certain status involved in being able to shop at Whole Foods and, like, having your organic olive oil that you paid $25 mm. for. But isn't that the ultimate status, actually going to Trader Joe's? Knowing that you can go to Whole Foods, but you'd rather go to Trader Joe's because you want to be inconspicuous? I think it's still pretty conspicuous, but... Trader Joe's? Yeah. I mean... Oh, but, so the uh, weird thing to me about York. Trader Joe's is, like, it's very cheap. Their prices are very good, but they're still only ever in the white neighborhoods. You notice that? Like That is true. That is true. That is true. Um, yeah, I mean... There's it's, still a weird status and cultural thing associated with Trader Joe's. Like, Trader Joe's is definitely for white people. It's, one, and it, it's, it's when the neighborhood has gentrified. Like, it, once Trader Joe's come in, it's, it's when the, you know the neighborhood has arrived type of thing. The creative classes shop at Trader Joe's. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, you're right. You know, I, tra I shop at Trader Joe's a lot in New York because it's definitely the cheapest grocery store. But, like... Mm. It's, I have to travel quite far oh, you to get mid to one. And <laughs> someone who works two jobs does, probably doesn't have the time to go to Trader Joe's um, no, that's... on the Upper West Side. I mean, oh, that's right. Yeah, it's the one that's like in the basement. And I don't know if you noticed, but it's more expensive than the Trader Joe's in California. Uh, uh, yes. That's you know that, because the, other... the two buck chuck is three dollars. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, Trader Joe's has a weird history because it started out, I think, like um, in Palo Alto around Stanford campus in the '60s, and Joe wanted to uh, provide good food for uh, students and professors who could not necessarily afford it. Uh, and then it became something else and a gigantic, you know, it's part of Aldi, I think, the the um, gigantic German heart discounter. Um, but it's, I still, I mean, the quality at Trader Joe's, like I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced they get a lot of the same stuff as, as the Whole Foods home brand, but they just brand it differently. Actually, I know that for a fact. Uh, it's one of the uh, cheese makers at the farmer's market in Santa Monica was explaining to me that we could get his cheese for much cheaper uh, either at Whole Foods under the Whole Foods brand or at Trader Joe's under the Trader Joe's brand, uh, the, the goat cheese guy. Uh, so th so they, they do procure from the same places, I suppose. Uh, I like Trader Joe's, yeah. but you're right. I, I like they, Trader they Joe's. Are. I'm I'm made slightly uncomfortable by some of their like quote unquote ethnic foods that are under uh, <laughs> like a racist name, like Trader <laughs> Ming's for their like frozen That's Chinese food. Uh, yes, yes. That makes me yeah, profoundly uncomfortable. I don't know. It depends also on the Trader Joe's. My my Trader Joe's, so the one uh, in Silver Lake, they. The wine buyer is crazy, and so you always have these, you know, pricey Bordeaux wines actually, you know, at a pretty good price. Um, 
so I've kind of it's it's always wonderful there because I can find you know wines that otherwise you I would pay you know twenty or thirty percent more, and he's got them for very low price. So that's excellent. That's one of that's one of the things I like about my Trader Joe's. I um, do like the Trader Joe's wine store in New York, which New York has like archaic liquor laws, and you can only have uh, one wine store per grocery store. Oh, that's and right. So you have yes. to go all the way down to the 14th Street store to go to the wine store. But I do like the wine store. It's very cheap. There are some really good wines yeah. there. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, that's, that's one of the things I, I, I find great. I mean, Whole Foods, on the other hand, they, I mean, everything's pricey there. So, so they will have all the good wines or all the champagnes and all that, and it will be super pricey and it makes no sense. Yeah. Um, when, so. The summer in LA when I lived two blocks from Whole Foods and like a lot of blocks from any other grocery stores, so I shopped there a lot, I was really surprised at how expensive their wine was. Like they didn't have anything under fifteen dollars a bottle. Nothing. Wow. And, and was the fifteen dollar thing good? No. It was fine. <laughs> Damn. But like I'm not gonna buy a twenty dollar bottle of rose. Like that's not the point. You spend ten dollars on it. Oh, so so you're not a customer of the drop. I am. Um, I am not. I'm offended. I. I mean, it's Columbia Business School. Come on, uh, th- th- these people know what they're doing, right? Or supposedly. Supposedly. I mean. I don't know. Well, except yeah, the, as you noted, the accents are all wrong on the rosé, brosé thing. So they use the the wrong French accent, uh, you know, on the e. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, is, is is so that leads me to that question. Like, is rosé a millennial wine or the millennial wine? I think it's become that, yes. And I don't really know why. I think it's just like it's a different color, and my parents don't like it, so I'm gonna be into it. That's how it's been marketed here. I mean, my experience with rosé is like this is what the parents drink and on vacation, you know. So. It's, it has like a totally different, it's in a totally different universe, at least for French kids. It's like, yeah, it's what the parents drink uh, in the afternoon, in the summer, when you're, you know, uh, enjoying your four weeks vacation. Um, it's really, it's, it's the parents' I wine. think that there wasn't, there wasn't all that much rosé here in the U.S. Uh, for a long time. And the only pink mm. wine was... Uh, Zinfandel, uh, which is like super oh. sweet and gross. Uh, uh, oh. And so, <laughs> how do you, they call it? Like it's pink Zinfandel, it's or yes, it's uh, ooh, something, yes, something yes. Zinfandel. Um, yeah. And oh, that's fantastic! Oh God, that's so bad. So I think that's my true. parents' so generation bad. associates pink wine with like syrupy, sweet, gross. And spritzers and people who don't know about wine, yeah. correct? But That's then rosé yeah. kind of came on the scene a few years ago, and it's relatively cheap, and it's good for drinking by itself, uh, cold by the pool, and so it became yes. like a millennial hit. And then that one really obnoxious guy uh, trademarked brosé, and it was all over after that. Which, yeah, it's a good trademark. I mean, um, yeah, I do. I mean, oh, that's the other thing. So in France, 
growing up, but still now, you know, rosé is considered kind of a wine for women. It's, it's, it's the ladies will drink rosé more than the guys. Uh, is it marketed that way here? Uh, a little Or bit, although there's, there's a push to make it like manly, you know. Well, yeah, brosé, um, I guess. It's like, brosé is like, it's okay to drink rosé. Um, and yeah. obviously a friend of the podcast, Felix Salmon, drinks a lot of rosé. Yes. Uh, oh, uh, yes, but he's very picky about it. And uh, Yes, I mean, the, the, the um, skin wines, that's, that's, it falls under all these orange wines and yes. But that's that's in itself a different. I mean, you can be very serious about rosé and all these these uh, uh, natural colored wines, but it's not. Uh, I, I somehow I don't know if the people who drink rosé are really mindful of this. Uh, no, I mean I think if you ask the average rosé drinker, like what makes it pink, I don't know that they're going to be able to tell you. <laughs> the thing though is, I mean, it comes in cans now. And I kind of like that. So I like the can, the, too. I just don't want it to be, like, marketed towards millennials. Just put it in a can. It's very oh, it's yeah. very good for taking to the beach and conspicuously drinking on the beach. Yes. <laughs> do, you have, do you still have to put it in, like, in the, in the paper bag, um, you think? Well, I'm going to say the last time I went to the beach and there were uh, L.A. County sheriffs everywhere because I guess it's like the hot yeah. thing to be stationed at Zuma Beach. Uh, but I was not <laughs> drinking it out of a paper bag and I did not get caught. That doesn't mean that you should put it in a paper bag, but. It's one of these strange things. Um, yeah. I Okay. Fair enough. Um I like I I'm, the can canning the wine has been a discovery for me. Uh, I I really think they should do more of that because it preserves the preserves the taste better. Uh, yeah, especially if you're not drinking it out of the can. Like if you're at the beach, you're probably gonna drink it out of the can. But I buy yes. a lot of cans of wine because they're smaller than bottles, and I live alone, so mm. I don't have to drink the whole bottle. Uh, I, but then I, I you get know. It pour it into an actual wine glass and it tastes fine. It doesn't taste like aluminum. Yeah, that's what that's what the complaint I heard. It's like, oh, but you have the aftertaste of aluminum. But the um well, the aluminum know. cans for the wine, it's usually lines. It's Yeah, it's also that. They're supposed to be neutral. Yeah. Uh that's the point of aluminum. Uh lined or not, correct? I mean, well, I'm not a specialist of that. People say, you know, between bottles and, and cans of soda, like there's a different taste um, just because of the container. I'm not so sure. I wonder. That's something to look into. Should we move on to another millennial focus brand? Yes. Go ahead. Last night I went to my first SoulCycle class. Oh my God! Um, How was it? Some some precious friends on Twitter have been trying to get me to go to SoulCycle with them for at least six months, and I finally okay. Did we, it. we we have to stop here. Uh, for those who don't know, Shane is a quasi uh, quasi professional bicycle rider. Like she races every weekend. 
I, uh, I would reject the professional well, you're name there, but I, I do race my bicycle a lot of weekends. Uh, you go very fast. But I actually started, I got into cycling because I was going to spin class in high school. So I'm also like a hipster spin person. Okay, you have to explain to me. So what's the because I, what's the difference between spinning and soul cycle? So like spinning, there's, there's... spinning is like the original brand of like indoor cycling in gyms. Yeah, and there's somebody hectoring you at the front, right? I mean, that's that's what. It is yeah, yeah. The there's like an instructor exactly. on a stage, and uh -huh. there's like music, and it's exciting. Um, but mm -hmm. soul cycle and a couple of other brands kind of took it to a new level in. I don't know, maybe five years ago. And so they charge you $35 a class and it's like a wow. standalone studio. It's not just part of the whole, whole gym that you go to. Uh, okay. And there's like, everything is branded. And at SoulCycle, uh, there's a lot of darkness and like candlelight. Um, what <laughs> which is which is really weird to like exercise in the dark with you know 50 other people uh i kind of i didn't hate it okay not being able to see what everyone else is doing is like i think the idea is to really like focus on yourself okay um which is good because i think like some exercise classes you can get sort of caught up looking at other people and being like i'm not that good or whatever Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a problem with these type of collective but, practices. Yes. But also, I just didn't feel like it was worth uh, uh, worth the hype. My friends were very disappointed. They told me that the instructor was not the best they've had, and I really need to come to one of the better instructors. Okay, so they put on music, like blaring music. Blaring music, music and, and, and then... They're like, do you see the instructor or you just hear? Yeah, the you, I mean, it's it's light enough that you could see the instructor and the lights kind of go up and okay. down based on the song and like the mood of what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and then oh. sort so, of. So what's the playlist like? Is it like Euro trash, Euro? It's like electro it, EDM type of thing. Yeah, or? it's like really sort of fast electro remixes of pop music. Oh, okay. So it's like Britney Spears, but bumped up to 120 BPM. Yeah, yeah. Like and that. in Soul Cycle, you're supposed to be like riding to the beat of the music, and there are sort of like dance moves that you do, and you're always co you're constantly getting oh. like up and down. Which so uh, it's okay. like a workout. So I, I see the exercise. I see the workout value of yeah. that. And okay. then there's also there's like a 10 minute section where you take weights in your hand, and then you're also like working out your upper body. Um, okay. And so, like, it's a full I mean, body work. It workout. sounds like a well designed it, program. Yeah, it it's a well like designed a well program. It was, it's not really for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, like, the bikes are like, they're like Peloton bikes, like super cool bikes with like electronics and stuff. Like, can you check Twitter while no, you're No, no. Like, so, 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 SoulCycle is the brand that's like about you and it's about like, connecting with yourself and getting your workout in there's other there are other 
spin classes mm. of spin brands that like you have all of your stats there and you can like check it's connected mm. and you like are racing against other people but that's like not what soul cycle is and there's sort so of soul cycle like, is really about yourself and focusing on yourself yeah did you focus on yourself or did you achieve some kind of soul cycle nirvana obviously not uh, uh no i also wasn't trying that hard i'll be honest Like I raced, I raced my bike on Saturday and Sunday this week. And so I went to SoulCycle yeah. on Monday and I like didn't turn the knob that hard. Like I didn't, I didn't really mm. turn up the resistance because I was just kind of trying to spin and see what it was about and not mm. actually get a workout in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was more like you're, you're, you're stretching out and, and getting rid of the lactics. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. And just like watching wow. other people in awe who like they were getting into it. Uh, and I feel like okay. if I didn't have this other kind of like going and biking outside, if that wasn't in my life, like I think I would really like SoulCycle. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's true that after like this summer, you were telling us how you, you rode around Malibu mountains and all that. It's true that, Yeah. Uh, you can like that i just don't like exercising inside really is like my thing and so okay yeah that makes but sense but it also I, like I, I... soul cycle is just like overly branded and again like a luxury product you're paying way more than other spin classes to and it's about, about there's a sort i'm i surmise there's socialization going on there like That's it becomes this sort of a thing of itself where people compare instructors and classes and locations. Yes, and, and it really and works it, well for the brand. And like my friends who are into it are really into it. Uh, hmm. And like to the point where when they travel, they have to find like the Soul Cycle Studio there and the right time and stuff like that. Like is yeah, that, like is that that widespread? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wow. And it's everywhere. In major cities. And, you know, I, I think there's, like, there's a place for that. Like, if you travel a lot for work and, like, make enough money that $50, $35 for an exercise class is, like, not a big deal for you, like, it's probably nice to have the same experience, like, wherever you go. The, the, the thing about the paying a lot of money to exercise is it's... You know how people like they get these gym memberships and never show up, and that that's it's so that's a little different. Actually, people do show up. Yes. For Soul Cycle. Yes. Well, so uh, I was I was, uh, I was kind of late, and they gave away my bike mm. because it was so crowded, and like I had to go wow. to like a lesser bike because people want like either to be close to the instructor and like in the front. Or near the fans. And so, like, I had chosen a bike near the fans where it's going to be nice and cool. And then, because you have to choose and your you bike ahead up in the of middle. Time. And then I was... Oh, wow. I arrived at... Wait, wait. So you go online you're on the app and you can, like, like reserve, check the bike, like, the location? Yes. Like, and so all of the classes... Like an airplane like, seat? Uh, registration oh for classes opens on Mondays for the next seven days. And so there's like a mad rush on Mondays to get like the good classes and the good bikes. Yeah, that's why. I, okay, so I see. And, and people really get into this. Is there like a secondary market for uh, like bike spots? Not like, that I know of, trade? which this is, 
I, I'm not that well connected with the community. There could be, but I feel like the brand would like crack down on that. They don't want that happening. <laughs> but I'm sure people are like, I'll trade you that spot this week for, okay. But it, it, it's become this sort of subculture almost. That's, it's the ideal way to market, right? I mean, you, you, you turn the whole thing into a, a, a tiny subculture of its own. Right, exactly. That's interesting. And you've got yeah. people there on Monday, like, willing to pay for the rest of the week. And, I mean, this is also, I wow. think, where the kind of gym uh, business model comes in, where if you have to sign up on Monday mm. to get the good bike, like, you might sign up for three or four classes and only go to two or three. And Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty impressive. So you, you think it's good exercise, but the subcultural part did not do it for you. That that's the. I guess I'm not gonna go to Soul Cycle. Yeah, I don't know. I like. I really appreciate the subculture, and I like when my friends talk about it, and I like mm. wanted to know what mm. it was about. I think it's mm. not for me regularly, especially currently as a student. I don't have the money yes. for it, but uh, but I kind of think it's cool, wow. and fun. It sounds. I mean, it sounds pricey, but cool. The only thing I don't like about it is I tweeted about it because all of my friends that do it are on Twitter. And so I like okay. tweeted about it. And then the brand tweeted at me, like asking me how it was. And I just don't want brands tweeting at me. Oh, well, you're an influencer, Shane. So that will happen. <laughs> Not an influencer anymore. <laughs> well, I think like the, the, the brand itself probably uh, to just look at your follower count or something like that, correct? Yeah. Or, but then it was or nasty. Cloud them. score. Uh -huh. Oh, oh. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you, sweat, you sweated them down. Okay, that's a, okay. That's nice. Okay. Well, they're going to be very happy because, you know, we, we just did a segment on the subtweet about them. So um, they're going to get some. Uh, good hashtag action going yeah I suppose wow yeah no i i personally i like to exercise alone and i like to read or watch something when i exercise and i don't want to be bothered with somebody screaming at me um it, it just sounds but i'm old that's why <laughs> i think some people are just like that but you know i guess i say i like to exercise alone but i like to do most things alone and I don't like people. So, yeah. So maybe it's not that I'm old. It's just that I'm, I'm agoraphobic or something. It's more like, like um, true story. Uh, my wife, my better half, had organized some dinner on Friday night with lots of people. And I basically, like, absconded through the side door and came back three hours later because I couldn't take it. I've done that. I mean, like, I was like, sorry, I got to go on the phone. And I, I just left and I, I went to the ca cafe and hung out by myself because I couldn't talk to people. I'm so, I'm so bad at parties. I like to just, yeah, like, find a corner by myself. Yeah, I usually, you know, even at my parties, we're like, um, yeah, I'm the guy who, I'm the guy who actually escaped from his birthday party. Like, that's, that's how bad I am. It's... That's that's why we love the internet, right? It's like I know it's like a party. Twitter is like being at a party, yeah. but not actually having to be around anyone. Yeah, and it's opt in. 
you can log out at any time and nobody will uh, even notice, which is fantastic. Okay, that was a good segment. So the big event in my life is my cat was diagnosed with something. We still don't know exactly what it is. Uh, the vet was like, you have to do a biopsy and take it to the CAT scan. I'm like, all oh, right. Uh, and that's not a joke. That's what the vet said. Um, yeah, my cat is Cosmo. He's, he's an old cat and uh, he's probably going to... He's not going to be with us for a very long time. That's, that's the general thing. Um, I don't know. Have you have you had a pet die on you, Shane? Like when you were when a kid? I was a kid, I, I had many many pets die on me. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Yikes! I live like on on an orchard where there are lots of like predator animals, and we had a lot of outdoor oh. animals. Um, and like I had several cats who like demanded to go outside and then sometimes wouldn't come back at night and like sometimes they were fine and sometimes they just didn't come back at all um i had a dog when i was pretty young that ha had epilepsy and like had too many seizures and had to be put down uh oh no so that's horrible. i i have i have actually been quite through quite a lot of pet death um uh, don't you think okay so don't you think that for a cat who lives at door to actually be snatched by a coyote is actually an honor honorable death like it's it's the right way to go for a cat like on the hunt or being hunted yeah that, that was my son it's okay that's what happens to cats sometimes yeah well and, and i think like especially as a child to just have the cat hmm. not come back is sort of emotionally less uh traumatic than having a cat yes. be in a lot of pain and having to go put it down and uh, yeah i mean i remember when i was a kid we had a cat and that cat got old and you know by the time i was 12 or 13 like was in a lot of pain and that was really sad it was the saddest thing in the world because cats when they're in pain you know they don't show it they sort of meow and don't move around too much but they don't they suffer in silence. They're they're it's, it's, they're very brave. It's kind of yeah. I also so I this was, is I was cat sitting once and the cat died on me. That was really that traumatic. happened to me too. Yeah. Uh, that we we the cat like we were there for a month and he lost like half of his weight in a month. So you know you're like obviously something is wrong. And then he died. Was, yeah. yeah, I had to take the cat to the emergency vet because it was a Sunday, and yeah. oh, oh. It, was, it was awful. Yeah, did you have to put him down? Uh, well, I left them at I met, I left the cat at the emergency vet having surgery, and then uh, put the vet in touch with the owner, and then the cat had yeah. to be put down. Yeah, so that's that's. So I'm fearing for my cat that this is probably what we're going to have to do this time. I mean, he's an old cat. He's been around for a while. Um, we've had him since he was a, a little kitty. Uh, we, we had him, you know, he's been around like in the most important events of our lives, through the most important events of our lives. He's, he's, he's a member of the family almost. He is. Uh, 
he's not a, a human, obviously, but he's a member of the family. And so we're probably, I don't know, we're going to, to, the, to the big vet hospital in West L.A. next week on a Sunday. Uh, there's going to be a CAT scan and ultrasound and all that. And then they're going to talk about treatment options, you know, whether chemotherapy or surgery or radiation. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Chemotherapy for cats? So how much does chemotherapy for cats cost? Oh, I don't want to know. Uh, I mean, I guess I will know soon. And and also, that's the other thing. Dana is like, shoot, I should have I should have gotten you know the pet insurance. Oh yeah, I have pet insurance. You see, I mean, this is new. So you know, after you you mentioned that, I actually went online and did some research. the The pet insurance thing is really recent. It's like five years old, um, and it's becoming more and more widespread. It's part of the this thing where. So we have pet insurance for health, for, for, you know, veterinary care for cats and dogs. Yeah. And like, and we don't have universal health insurance. I mean, it's, I mean, it bugs me on some level. Uh, um, I, I understand because it's my, you know, I understand. It's, it's, I love my cat and I want to do right by my, my, my cat. But man, yeah, chemotherapy, I mean... Who knows, you know, maybe you have a, a lifetime limit or lifetime cap on how much you, the insurance will reimburse. Like, what's your copay? Is that, it, you know? Right, exactly. And my insurance, it doesn't cover, like, regular visits. So I have to pay out of pocket for regular it's, vet visits. But it will cover yeah. if you the see? cat gets diagnosed with, I don't know, I guess, kitty cancer or something. So it... it so it will cover chemotherapy. I believe so. Or like I have a friend whose cat has like a kid, some sort of kidney disease and has to have more regular vet visits and like has to take medicine mm. every day. And like the insurance would cover that. I mean, medicine for pets apparently is one of the fastest rising um, markets in the U.S., or segments in the U.S. Uh, we're talking almost $10 billion a year. Uh, they, they, they give them Prozac now. So I can see why, you know, if you have, like, several pets and you actually uh, want to elevate the standard of care, it kind of makes sense to have insurance. Um, it tells you something, though, that, you know, maybe we should have insurance for humans as well. I mean, that yeah. was more my, my gut reaction to, you know, I love my cat and nobody will, will tell me that I don't love my cat, but I'm very conflicted about paying out of pocket for chemotherapy for a cat. Right. Like, well, for one thing, because I, I don't know quite how old your cat is, but like they only have such a long lifespan anyway. Yes. Um. Yes. And, and so there's that. And then... Isn't that overkill? I mean, radiation, chemotherapy? I mean, already apparently the CAT scan is going to be like $500. Um, it's, it's very strange. It's, it's something I... I mean, and I'm gonna, I don't want to sound like or come across as somebody who doesn't care or, you know, um, will, you know, or, or penny pinching or something like that. 
But there's, you see what I'm saying? Like there's this sort of uh, almost emotional blackmail about it. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know. There's there's a little bit of hypocrisy in, in sort of our empathy for our animals extending further than our empathy for our fellow human beings who don't have health care. I mean, it's interesting that it seems easier to have empathy for your pet. Well, because they share your life. I guess that's why. Because they, they're yeah, part but even of like um, empathy for pets on the internet or like pets that you see pictures of. And that's I, true. I bet that's a true. GoFundMe for your cat's uh, <laughs> health care would do just as well as a GoFundMe for your own health care. Maybe better, actually. Yeah. I mean, cats are, are, yeah, I mean, they say cats and dogs have evolved to um, generate empathy in humans. I mean, that's that's what they do. Um, like, like, it's an evolutionary trait. That's why we all love cats on the internet. And and that's why we, you know, what's his name? Tartar. Tartar sauce? Uh, grumpy cat? Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's why we love him. Because he's, he's a grumpy cat, and he's, he's, more, he's almost more human than humans. I'd say we have more empathy for strangers' cats on the internet than the people themselves. Um, uh, for sure. Uh, especially if those people are exploiting their animals to make money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But um, yeah, I, um, I really love, do you know Marnie the dog? Yes. Uh, I love Marnie the dog, but Marnie the dog was adopted as a, a very old dog and is like pretty old and is probably going to die soon. And I'm like, am I going to feel sad about that? This dog that I follow on Instagram, but well, I've maybe... never seen or met before. That's interesting. Is there going to be memorials to that dog? Um, probably. Yeah. But then there, there's the, uh, you run into the supply and demand thing. Like, there's going to be other Marnies, right? I mean, because it's the internet. It's so vast. There are so right. many people. We're just going to move on to a new job. Yeah. We're just going to, and that you can do with pets on the internet. You cannot do in real life. Like, I don't, I don't think I can have another cat after this. First of all, because I don't want to have my heart broken again. Um, and second, because, you know, Throughout his life, Cosmo was a pain in the ass. <laughs> uh, I, I love the I love the cat, but what a pain! Um, I mean, you know, there's there's you go away for a week or something, and he, I, I literally once he, he he pooped in our shoes. <laughs> <laughs> literally, I mean, like that's that's the message. Um, so I yeah, I don't know. I mean. The thing I, I, I found very interesting is that animals, like uh, pets, they've been around, you know, like they're, they're in fact a mark of civilization. Like humans became uh, uh, sedentary and around the time they domesticated dogs and cats. I mean, dogs a little earlier. Apparently, uh, it seems that dogs were uh, um, wolves that uh, sort of hung out with humans on the steppes in Siberia. But then, you know, they became domestic animals very quickly. Um, 
a lot of old tombs from you know ten thousand years ago. Ten uh, thousand years ago, have pets that are buried right alongside their owners. It's it's very. Uh, which brings a question, by the way, like, did they kill the dogs or the cats once the owner was dead? I mean, and so as to put it in the tomb, I don't know. Probably. Um, yeah, probably. But they are there. I mean, uh, you know, alongside with with the spears and whatever and whatnot. So a, a, pet animals are, are very important to human civilization. They're, they're, they're almost, they're, they're a sign, I mean... They're a sign that actually you have leisure. Like they're not just utilitarian animals. They're they're right. they're there for companionship and all that. They're gods uh, for Egyptians, you know, in Egyptian mythology. Like so, they're not just uh, working for us. They're part of our lives. They're part of the culture. Um, right. There's there's some. They they're they're not quite animals, but they're not quite humans as well. And and that's that's why we love them, I suppose. It's this unconditional thing where, I don't know. I don't know about you, but my experience with my cat is like, I love him. Maybe he loves me. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Definitely um, my cat feels that way. She loves me when she wants food. Yeah. Right? Or when she wants to be petted or when she wants to sit on your lap for some, you know, heat or something. But then. Like she's really just know. using me for her own yeah. needs. Exactly. Me too. We're like the bigger, we're the bigger cats, and we're just being used. Well, I'm not even sure that they would do that with other cats. No, they would not actually. So they know we're humans. Um, yeah, that's that's. So it forces us to be, um, you know, unconditional in our love, and that that's a good thing to learn in life. I think you know, not to expect people to return affection, because it happens a lot. I mean, and it's not just kids or cats. So it's, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm very sad. In the end, you know, we were talking about memorials for animals on the internet, but I guess, you know, the best memorial is just to put a few pictures there every once in a while and say, hi, Cosmo, until they're not around anymore. Um, and I'll have the memory for myself then. Yeah. I mean, that's more or less why I have a Twitter account for my cat. Oh, that's right. People do that. I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. I forgot the password, though, so I can only tweet from my tweet deck where it's, like, already signed in. <laughs> oh, how do you do for the pictures, then? Uh, well, if I really want to do it, then I will email myself a photo from my phone and then <sighs> screenshot the photo from the email and put it in the tweet from tweet deck. But mostly <laughs> I just... Mostly I just tweet from my own personal account and then like mm. mention my cat's account that's sweet maybe i should make an account for cosmo the cat um I so he can, he can go out in a blaze of glory <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then you know it gets complicated because you're on your phone you're juggling with several accounts yep. anyhow but yeah that's true maybe he deserves that maybe that's the memorial Maybe that's a family project. Yeah. It's a way to deal with grief, which is an interesting part. Um, at least for, my ki for, for our kid, it's, it's kind of a, it's another way to learn about grief um, and grieving. Uh, so that's going to be interesting as well. 
And, and you know, my kid being my kid, he's, he's all about like the technical aspect of this and the disease, like he's really into diseases. So what kind of cancer is it? What kind of chemotherapy are we going to give him? Oh, oh God. Oh, <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's just geeking out on it. So it's a good way to do it. Yeah, maybe this will. Maybe he'll want to become a cancer doctor after this. Maybe after he's um, figured out time travel. Yes, can, that's true. Yes, he can turn his sights to curing cancer. I guess if you figure out time travel, you can probably cure cancer. That's true. Yeah, I <laughs> I have full faith that he'll be able to do it. Oh, that's awesome. So now that you're back in New York, honestly. New York or LA? It's a really hard question, but it's raining here today in New York, so I'm gonna go with LA. Yeah, okay. It's it's like heat wave. It's gonna be one and nine in the afternoon today. Uh, so yeah, I've heard that, and I'm coming for the weekend, and I'm not happy about it. But you know what? I'm gonna go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs>